Congratulations and thanks to all you moms out there. We do love you. You are awesome. And I hope that uh, this Mother's Day is an incredibly special one for you. And you'll be made to feel the genuine love and the closeness of those who indeed love you and care about you the most. Well, a few weeks ago, we did it. We ask you to weigh in on a number of questions that you would like to ask God if uh, you just had the opportunity. And so we've tabulated all of those results and put them in the order in which you voted all the way from the sixth most requested right down to number one. And so that's how we're going to do the series. Today, we begin with the sixth most requested topic, according to your votes, and week by week, we're going to go to number five, number four, number three, number two, all the way down to the most requested topic. I don't know about you, but I am extremely excited. I am stoked about this series. I think we're going to have a lot of fun together, but I also know we're going to be stretched And we're going to learn a lot together as we explore God's Word. So today, as we jump into the series, I want to begin with that topic that you voted as the sixth most requested. And that is this probing question so many of you have, does God answer every prayer? Well, I don't know what you think about that. I don't know what your answer would be, but... But what is the answer to that? Does God answer every prayer? Well, I want to begin with a declaration straight out of Scripture that God answers every prayer. That concludes our message today. I'm glad I could clear that up for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Mother's Day, and we'll see you next week, okay? Thanks so much. No, really. When it comes to prayer, Scripture teaches three foundational truths. You might want to just jot these down in your notes if you're a person who loves to kind of take notes so you can maybe remember these things later. The first declaration Scripture makes is that God hears you when you pray. I hope that's encouraging. Right out of the Bible, 1 John chapter 5, look at what it says. It's so simple but so incredible. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. He hears us. Of course he does. He's omniscient. He knows it all. He knows your heart cry. God hears you when you pray. But a second, even more to me, encouraging affirmation from the Bible is that God cares about you. Did you know that? He cares about what you prayed about. He cares about what kept you awake last night. He cares about your fears and the desires of your heart and your aspirations and your longings and all those things. He, he cares about them. Look at this amazing verse from 1 Peter. It says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about what happens to you. And again, I don't know where you are in your own journey or what you believe about all this, but But boy, I tell you, that should be an encouragement to anyone, that God, the creator of this universe, not only hears us, but but he actually cares. But there's even more. 
There's a third affirmation scripture makes, and that God, it is that God answers your prayers. Every single one of them. In fact, uh, listen to this promise that God made through the prophet Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 3. This would be a great verse, by the way, for every single person to memorize. I remember it because it's got all threes in the reference, right? Chapter 33, verse 3, all threes, an amazing promise about prayer. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So there it is. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Now you say, Pastor, wait a minute here. Wait just one minute. That's why I voted for this one. Because I got some problems with that. If there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer, how come my life is filled with so many unanswered ones? I prayed for a husband or a wife, still single. I prayed for a job, still unemployed. I prayed for healing, still sick. I prayed for new kids, still got the old ones. <laughs> Love to trade them in, still there. Pastor, I've been watching this presidential race that's go been going on, and I've been praying to God for some new candidates to vote for. Still the same old lineup. So where do you get off saying that God answers every single prayer? Now, let, let's see a show of hands on this. And by the way, my hand's already up. Uh, I'm going to ask you, would you agree with me that it feels sometimes in your life that God has left some prayers unanswered. Could I see your hand, please? Be honest. Come on, lift your hand. If you felt that way before, like I have, thank you, hundreds and hundreds of people. But you know what? That's what it is. It's a feeling. It's a perception we have. It's not reality. Because the truth is, God has answered every single prayer you've ever prayed but the answer he gave you may not have been the one you wanted. Ooh. There's where it goes from an amen to an oh me. <laughs> God has answered every single prayer. But the answer he gave may not have been the one we wanted. I think for many of us, prayer is kind of like shopping on Amazon. You ever shop on Amazon? I, I'm there a lot. I love books. I buy things. For, you know, you can fill your card up, and instead of hitting pay or whatever, you know, or check out, here's the deal. We hit pray, and if our package, our answer to our prayer doesn't show up in the mail soon, we just assume that God hasn't answered. But the truth is, God answers every prayer. There was a family who had acquired a new little kitten. And they were playing with their little kitten in the garden one day. And it went up a tree and got stuck between two sharp branches and couldn't get out. And it was in a lot of distress. The family tried to help the kitten, but they couldn't get to it because of all the branches. But the father was a pastor. 
And he was always coming up with great ideas. And he said, Daddy to the rescue. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get my car, I'm going to get a rope. I'm going to try tie the rope around the tree, I'm going to tie it to the car, and I'm going to drive a bit. And the tree will come down, and we'll be able to maneuver around and save the little kitten. And everybody said, Daddy to the rescue. So he got his car, he got a rope. He tried, tied the rope around the tree, he tied it to the car. He got in the car. He began to drive slowly, slowly. The tree is bending, bending. The car is moving. And as the car is moving, the tree is bending and the rope snaps and the tree flings back and the little pussycat goes flying in the opposite direction. And that's the end of the story. Two weeks later, the pastor is visiting one of his members. He knocks on the door. The door opens. The lady says, Pastor, please come in. As he walks in, there in the hallway is his little kitten. He knows. It's unmistakable. But he can't just say, that's my kitten. So he says, that's a lovely kitten you've got. Have you had her long? She said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. Two weeks ago, it was a hot, sunny Saturday afternoon, and I was out in my garden with our little son, Johnny, and Johnny said, Mommy, please, can we have a kitten? And I said, No, we're not getting a cat. Now, we've discussed this many, many times. We're not having a kitten. But pastor, he pestered me and pestered me until finally the only thing I could think was to say, I'll tell you what, Johnny, let's kneel down here in the garden and let's pray to the Lord Jesus. And if the Lord Jesus wants to give you a kitten, he'll give you a kitten. Pastor, you're not going to believe this. When we pray, coincidences happen, and when we don't, they don't. God answers prayer, every one of them. But how he chooses to answer is another matter entirely. So let's talk about that now for the remainder of our time. What are some of the ways God may answer prayer? Now I'm going to give you a four-point outline. I heard this first. I literally looked it up 36 years ago from a college campus minister named Ursul Harrison. First time I ever heard these four words put together in this way about prayer. Since then, I've heard it dozens of places, read it dozens of places. I have no idea who to credit for it. I'm not sure anybody does. But I hope that you'll find it as helpful today as I have and as memorable as I have, I've never forgotten it from the first time uh, Ursul Harrison shared it. First of all, if the request is wrong, God can answer no. Now, have you ever thought about that? He's answered, and the answer is no. In other words, some prayer requests are just inappropriate. No matter how 
pure the motivation may be. It's simply not best for you, or it may just be plain dumb. Now, let's look at an example here straight out of Scripture. This is from an interaction that Jesus had with some of his early followers. You you can read about this in Matthew chapter 20. Look at what went on. The mother of the Zebedee brothers came. The Zebedee brothers were James and John, okay, with her two sons and knelt before Jesus with a request. Now, she's bringing this request to the Lord. What do you want? Jesus asked. She said, give your word that these two sons of mine will be awarded the highest places of honor in your kingdom. Now, how's that for a prayer request? Good Jewish mom coming here, looking out for her boys. I'd like for you to give them the highest seats of honor in the spiritual house, okay? And look at what Jesus responded to her. Jesus said, responded, you have no idea what you're asking. The request came in. He heard the request. The answer was no. But he went beyond that. Not only is the answer no, you don't have a clue what you're asking here. Implication, if you did, you wouldn't have made that Requests. Now, let's stay with James and John for a moment because it seems they have a knack for wrong requests. Bad prayer requests kind of ran in this family. One day, Jesus and his followers were traveling to Jerusalem. One of the cities, one of the places they were going through, rather, was Samaria. And so they go into a village there and look at what happened as recorded in Luke chapter 9. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Now, the text doesn't say it, but this was an ethnic thing going on. They, they, they were prejudicial against the people to the south down in Jerusalem. And there'd been tensions for a long time because they had different ethnic backgrounds. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Now, how's that for a prayer request? They didn't give us the warmest welcome that we desired. Let's see how they like the smell of napalm in the morning. That was the request. They felt it was a good request. They were utterly sincere. It seemed appropriate to them. But Jesus' answer in verse 55, Jesus turned on them, and here was his answer, of course not. I think it makes sense that since God hears every request and that he cares about us, that sometimes the answer is going to be no. As a father of two children, I know that was certainly true for our children. Nobody loves them more than their mother and I do. Nobody cares about them more than we do. They were very smart kids, super smart But when they were little kids, they made some requests that were just plain dumb. I mean, really, it it made sense to their minds to stay up all night. And they requested to do that. 
it made sense to their minds to eat ice cream at every single meal or to invest significant portions of our financial resources in the profit margin of Toys R Us made sense to them. Made sense to them to build a permanent residence at the Great Escape and just stay there. (coughs) Could it be that we are to God like our kids are sometimes to us? Could it be? Could it be that sometimes, even though things make sense to our minds, in reality, we're making just inappropriate requests? Where God is kind of going, you really got to be kidding. If you honestly knew, if you had a clue, you wouldn't even be asking that. I think that makes a lot of sense to most of us that sometimes God would not answer yes. But you say, I'm with you on how God could say no to some things. But pastor, how could it be best that somebody suffer or even die? All I prayed, Pastor Rex, was that they would get well. How can that be so bad to ask for? Well, let's admit right here that there's definitely a mystery to God answering prayers. Boy, I know that for me, I have scrutinized some of my requests through the years, and I honestly, no matter which angle I looked at it, I could not find anything wrong with that request, at least according to my mind. But I'm going to save a part of the answer to that until a few weeks from now because the number two requested item you asked for was if God is powerful, why does he allow tragedy and suffering? So buckle your seatbelts for that one. We're going to have a blast with that. It's going to be a stretching day, a learning day. That is the second most requested topic. So I'm going to save some of this for that message. I think you're going to be very encouraged by it. But for now, for now, let me tell you what is absolutely clear in Scripture. That is that God knows more than any of us, and ultimately, we have to settle this issue when God says no. We have to settle it in our hearts as a matter of trust. Now, that's not a cop-out. That's a frank assessment of what the core issue really is. It all comes down really to how we view the character of God. Either he's a good God or he isn't. Either he cares about us or he doesn't. Either he knows what's best in our lives or not. And I've shared with many people through the years that if you're a Jesus follower, nothing comes into your life that has not come through the hands of a God that is wildly in love with you. So while you may not understand it all or know the reasons for God's answers, the truth is we can trust him because he loves us. He loves those around us more than we could possibly imagine. So while we may not always know the whys, we can trust in the one who does. But no isn't the only answer that God can give. A second way God can respond is this. If the request is wrong, God may say no. But if the timing is wrong, God can say slow. That's another way he responds. In other words, the answer is not now, not yet. Now, we think we know what timing is best, don't we? 
when we pray for something, we know very well when it ought to happen in our lives. So sometimes we make a request and God says, whoa, let's put the brakes on here. Not now, not yet. We find that to be very tough because in our culture, we've grown accustomed to microwave cooking. We've grown accustomed to the immediacy of texting and Snapchat and Instagram. It's all instant. In fact, in our culture, I would suggest we've almost entirely lost the category of later or not yet. I've actually had people come to me seriously and say, Pastor Rex, I've been praying about this all day long and God hasn't done a thing about it. Really? All day, huh? <laughs> Amazing. Folks, here are some simple but important truths you need to know, especially if you're a Jesus follower. God's timetable is better than yours. It really is. He has information about the situation you and I don't have. And here's the way I'd put it to you. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Look at what God said through the prophet Isaiah long ago. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's as if God is saying, will you trust me here? I know what I'm doing. I really do. I know and I. And you know what? I'm concerned about some of you. I'm concerned about some of you because you've, you've gotten so caught up in the frenetic, fast pace of this life. Here, here's what I'm concerned about for you, and I'm just being totally real and personal now with you. I'm afraid you're going to go through the rest of your life settling for fast food in the drive through lane. When if you just slow down a little bit, God wants to serve you a gourmet meal. But that takes time. Sometimes, if the timing is wrong, God says, slow. But there's a third way God can respond to our prayers, and that is, grow. In other words, it is possible that something is wrong in our lives. And dealing with that comes first before God answers. So when God says grow, he's basically saying, look, put first things first. Now, I believe this is a hard one <coughs> for many of us to grapple with because if the answer doesn't come that we want, we usually think the problem lies with God, right? We do. Either he's not been fully briefed, he doesn't understand me, he doesn't understand this situation, or that wouldn't be the answer. We think the problem is with God. But what if the problem is with us? What if God really would love to answer that, but we've got some things we need to work on first. We need to do some growing as a first priority. Now, let me give you three examples here of what you might call prayer busters. These are attitudes or actions that if they're present in our lives, God may give you the answer, <clears throat> grow. It's time to grow. In other words, 
These are issues where you need to address this in your life before I can address the request you made for your life. What are these prayer busters? I want to give you three of them. One is unconfessed sin. Isaiah 59, verse 2. Look at what it says here. It says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now, I want you to kind of fix on that phrase there. It doesn't say he cannot hear, he does not hear. It says he will not. It's a willful thing. Unconfessed, unrepentant sin kind of cuts off our communication with God. He has no covenant obligation to get involved. We're breaking our end of the covenant. He has no obligation to be moved or get involved. We're showing complete disdain and indifference to him and our relationship with him. Now, before we move on to the next one, I just want to be super clear that we know what God is saying by this and what he's not saying. God is not saying here that we have to reach a state of sinless perfection before he engages our prayers. I hope we all understand that. Well, we'd all be in trouble, wouldn't we? Never, never have an answered prayer the way we're, we're wanting it, Right? This is not saying that we won't have areas where we struggle, that are besetting issues with us, where we slip up, or we get sloppy, or we need to do better. I would ask you to write down the word rebellion, because that's what this is really primarily talking about. Areas of rebellion in our life, well, if you'll pardon me, it's just kind of giving God the finger. And we've got those areas. Many of us have those areas where we're going, just screw you, God. I know what your word says. I know how you feel about this. I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. If you don't think followers of God do that, you're very naive. Most people listening to me right now have been in that situation at least a few times in their life. The psalmist said in Psalm 66, I cried out to him with my mouth, if I had cherished sin in my heart, catch that phrase, if I had cherished it. In other words, I know this is wrong, I don't care. I know what the Bible says, I don't care. This is what I'm going to do. That's what I mean by rebellion. That's what this is talking about when it says, I, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But the psalmist goes on to affirm, because he did deal with his sin, he did confess it to God, he says, but God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. There are many other passages we could look at. Proverbs 28, verse 9. If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. Or what about this next passage in Isaiah 1? Boy, this is explicit. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers. In other words, you're going on and on with your prayers, asking for this. 
I will not listen, God says. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Wow. Let me put this to you as plainly as I can. If you've got a situation in your life where you clearly know what's right from God's word, and you're just choosing not to do that, you're in a very dangerous situation indeed. And I would say to you, don't waste your breath praying unless, unless it's first a prayer of confession and repentance. A second prayer buster we need to consider is unresolved relational conflict. Look at what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5 about unresolved relational conflict. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. In other words, there's a lot of friction going, and you've not forgiven one another. You're holding this grudge. You've got unforgiveness in your heart. You've not appropriately dealt with it. You've not had a grace-giving kind of spirit with this person. Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. You see here what's happening. People are bringing offerings to the temple just as God had prescribed for forgiveness of their sins. They were all concerned about their vertical relationship with God as they should be. That was a good thing. But they were coming with this attitude, you know, it doesn't (coughs) really matter how I'm treating my family. It doesn't really matter how I'm treating my co-workers. It doesn't really matter how mean I am, all the unforgiveness I have in my heart, the bitterness I have toward it. It doesn't really matter. God says, whoa, it does matter. It does matter. Because your relationship with me is directly affected by these unresolved relational conflicts. By the way, this is the reason that God says to husbands in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And the reason it says to do that is so your prayers may not be hindered. You need to work on the relational conflict. One final prayer buster, and that is selfishness. Look at what the scripture says about selfishness and how it kind of explodes our prayers and makes them ineffective. James says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It's all about me, me, me. And if our prayers, if your prayers and mine are just selfish in nature, it's okay to ask for some things for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. I believe God wants us to do that, to pray appropriate prayers for our own development, our own uh, sanctification, our own progress in the Christian life. We should be doing that. But if our prayers are, make me famous, make me rich, make me good looking, make me on the top of the org chart, God, and always, always give me the best parking places at the mall. If that's kind of, you're probably not real in tune with the Spirit, probably, 
Because you find as you mature and grow that your prayers are a whole lot less about you and a whole lot more about God's agenda. Now, I know we can get really fancy with this and we can say, God, make me famous so I can influence a lot of people for you. God, make me rich so I can give a lot away. We're so full of it. You know the answer to that one. If you're not giving it away now at the level you're at, you're not going to give it away then. Generosity is not a matter of margin. Generosity is an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the spirit. It has nothing to do with financial margin. The bottom line, again, is that our prayers should be a lot more about God and his agenda than about our own. I don't know if any of you have seen the documentaries of Ken Burns or not, but he's got a bunch of them. He's, he's been uh, applauded and praised as certainly, if not the top, one of the top uh, documentary creators in our, in our century, in our age. His most famous was one of the first, the documentary on the Civil War. I've watched it so many times, I practically haven't memorized And every time I watch it, it reminds me of this amazing prayer that a Confederate soldier wrote down during the horrible days of the Civil War. Let me read what this Confederate soldier wrote as a prayer. He said, I ask God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. And almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Well, what's the final answer God can give us? In your notes, I think it's number four, but it should be a capital D instead because this is the fourth of the answers that God can give. If the request is wrong, God may say no. If the timing is wrong, God may say slow. In other words, not now, not yet. If we are wrong, God may say grow. There's a time to put first things first. There's some issues you need to work on in your life before I can address this request for your life. But if the request is right, the timing is right, if we're right, God may not say no, slow, or grow. He may say go. In other words, buckle your seatbelt here. Let's go. The answer is Yes, and I want to say to you today, nothing pleases your heavenly Father more than giving you the desires of your heart. 
So what's the answer? Does God answer every prayer? He not only hears, he cares, and he answers every single time. We just need to be open to all the ways that God may answer. Father, help us to be a people who so seek you in prayer and so live before you, patient, walking in step with the Spirit, that we often, regularly hear you say, let's go. Let's go here. I've got to, I want to blow your mind with blessings. I want to see things in and through you that will not only be good for you, but will bring glory to me. May we be that kind of a people, God. Thank you. Thank you this weekend that we celebrate moms and the role they play in our lives. Thank you for that. And help us, God, to all be the kind of people who love you with all of our heart and love others as ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Will the ushers please come forward as we get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. And what a start on this new series, you asked for it. Thank you, Pastor Rex. In your bulletin, 